And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now that's a very important statement, the word renew. That would suggest that they had once had it and lost it. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And of course, we know some of the characteristics of the eagle. That soaring fowl that flies high above problems. That nests in the high rocky uh, areas of remote mountains far away from danger. Not only shall they, shall they mount up with the wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The wings of eagles, the ability to run, and the strength to walk. To soar as an eagle, to run and not be weary, to walk without exhaustion. The perfect walk with God. Fly above your troubles, run from your complications, and walk away from your fears. It has the ingredients of a life of joy. But I find myself, and maybe it will help you if I lead the confession service, I find myself not soaring as an eagle. I find myself weary from the run. I find myself faint from the walk. And before you judge me and find me guilty of approaching preaching from the negative direction, I beg to debate it in the chambers of your mind. Every one of us go through our battles. Every one of us go through our hardships. And what could be your battle may not necessarily be a battle to the other person. And if you stand tonight and to deny my past statement that you never go through a problem, you may tell stories about other things too. You never go through a hardship. Everybody goes through them. Life is not respect a person. Sickness and disease will attack every race, every creed, and every color. Cancer does not care who you are, how much money you have, or where you've been. Cancer is a devastating disease, and when we have to deal with it, we only have a hope in God. And that's only one example of many other examples that I could cite for you. So I have gone through times of having my wings clipped. I haven't I haven't flown and soared as a mighty eagle. Instead of nesting in the high, lofty, protective rocks of the mountains, I've crashed time and time and time again. Not only that, but in the race, I have become so weary, even though I can hear echoing in the back of my mind, the words of the writer of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us run this race with patience. But I have found that I have just been 
running and gasping, sucking for breath, totally exhausted, fighting the enemy, afraid to go to sleep because not knowing what could happen during my rest hours. Then once I would fall into a weary sleep, afraid of tomorrow, not knowing what tomorrow might bring me. Amen. There's been times in my walk with God that I've been faint. I've stumbled. I've struggled. I haven't felt like putting one foot above the other foot and taking another step. It would do you well to let me make this statement as opposed to your pastor. We as pastors, we always paste our best smile on our face when it's church time. But what some of our church people don't know, we got out of a sick bed. We did not feel physically like preaching. Our voice, our throat was raw and full of infection. Our shoulders were stooped because of the heavy burden and the heavy load. Our mind was weary because of unstopping hours of around the clock prayer and worry and concern. Now, I don't want to eat all of that delicious cake of a pity party, so I cut you a slice. So you're here tonight when you know good and well you would have felt better if you could have gone to bed early tonight. And you knew that when you came that that guy Odom from Hattiesburg was a long-winded preacher. And you had very serious doubts and multiple reservations that he could do a lot for you tonight because you worked hard today and you've been fighting this fever and you've been taking this antibiotic and you've been under doctor's care and you've been trying to eat the right foods and get the right rest. So there are times that saints of God will go to church when if they would follow their physical feelings, they'd turn the sheets back and hide themselves between the sheets. But because we know that strength comes from God, we know that strength comes from the house of God. We know that strength comes from the word of God. We drag ourselves to church. And then if you went to Pentecostal Tabernacle where Odom pastors, you would drag in there and hear him say, where's your joy? <laughs> Leave your problems on the job. When you come into the house of God, let's get with it. When you feel like just caving in. So we all have our problems. We all have our battles. We all go through complications in life. But the wise one, the poetical one, Isaiah, fitted the words together so securely when he said, but they that wait upon the Lord. There's been times, Brother Pastor, that I prayed until I just didn't know nothing else to say when I prayed. So I just waited. I just waited. I had nothing more to tell. God had told him everything that I knew. I told him how bad I felt, how much he needed to do this, and how much he needed to do that, and how bad the church needed a revival. And when I finally went out of gas, and my prayer tank was empty, I just stayed on my knees and waited on God. There's been times that I have worked in my, my wife, who will affirm this, not just to protect me, but because she knows it's true. 
There's been times that I would spend literally multiplied hours through a day flipping the pages of my Bible, flipping through notes that I'd written from sermons way past, and nothing was fresh and nothing was new and nothing was inspirational. And I would shut my Bible, I would close my diaries, I would seal up my catalogs of notes, and my heart would be empty. And I would go to church, I prayed, I studied, I sought God, and I just didn't feel like preaching. But I just go on anyway because I knew that's what I needed to do. And going to the pulpit, I just wait on God. Wait on God. I have known people in time past that they've received their death sentence from the medical team. The doctor would say to them, now we can treat you and make you as comfortable as possible. And I have known people to say, thank you, doctor, for what you can do. But they would come to a point in their disease, in their sickness, in their physical weariness, that they would say, now, God, I've taken all the medicine I'm going to take. I'm just going to wait on God. And I have seen people come through insurmountable odds when doctors said that they would die and not get well but they chose to just wait on God. There are some Pentecostal churches unfortunately that if you're not swinging from the chandelier if you're not walking the back of the pews if you're not running the aisles in every service some people are looking out for another church to go to. But there comes a time that we just got to go to church, and if we don't shout, we just wait on God. If we don't run, we just wait on God. If the pastor or the evangelist doesn't tickle our Holy Ghost ribs like we like to be tickled with a sermon, we just have to wait on God. If the song that was sung is not the song that we like best, that's no time to quit. We just got to wait on God. And even though I have preached this in time past, only one other time, I have a sense, a directive in the Holy Ghost to come and to be a strength to someone and wait on God. There's been times in my walk with God and my wife's walk with God and I would especially cite to you the loss of our daughter two years ago. When the world collapsed around us, there was no remedy for our broken heart. No one had the magic wand to spread or us to cause us to feel miraculously better. We would cry ourselves to sleep at night, and we do occasionally now. We would wake up with a bird and then, and we will do that occasionally now, for we miss her more now than what we did when we first lost her. But there were times in those first few days and first few weeks after Amanda stepped on the wings of angels and she was taken to a better life that I felt like that I'd reached the end of my way. I couldn't even pray for myself. I couldn't make myself get better. I just couldn't make myself smile. 
So my wife and I would just join hands together and we'd just wait. 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 So you're here tonight just waiting. Where are you, God? God, did not you say that if you ask, uh, you would receive? Did not you say that if you would seek, you would find? Did not you say if you would knock, it would be open to you? And all these days and weeks and months and yea, possibly years, I have been asking you, God, for a certain amount of compassion. And I'm still hurting, and I'm still struggling. Where are you, God? Aren't you omnipresent? Don't you see me? Aren't you moved with the feeling of my infirmity? Don't you see my enemy rising up against me? Don't you understand the hurt that's deep within my soul? Where are you, God? Don't you hear me pray? But my prayers are like they're hitting the proverbial iron curtain. My prayers are like they're hitting an impregnable object. And my prayers are ricocheting right back into my face. Come on, God. I have prayed and I have fasted. I have been faithful to the house of God. I've done all the right things. I've punched all the right buttons. I've acted right, I've talked right, I've dressed right, and I'm still without an answer. Where are you, God? But they that wait upon the Lord. I think it would be wise if I would make another confession. I called for a pastor friend of mine long distance this evening at 10 minutes after 5. I left my house at 25 to 6. And the pastor was out, so I talked to his wife. And I'm fully aware and cognizant that they're going through the battle of their ministry. Never before have they faced such tremendous odds. Everything apparently is turning against them, it seems. Even the church that they pastored now for 25 years, is beginning to urge them to move along. Find another place to go. Pastor somewhere else. So I called and spoke to the pastor's wife this afternoon, and before closing my conversation with her, I said, I want you to be sure to tell my dear friend that tonight in Bogalusa, Louisiana, I'll be preaching for Jesus and attending to the request of Pastor Simpkins and to the Church of United Faith, tell my pastor friend that I'm preaching for Jesus, but I'm also going to dedicate a part of my effort of preaching in memory and respect of him and tell him that I just said this one little thing. They that wait upon the Lord. The reason that some people backslide, they can't wait on God. The reason that some of our pastors have left this wonderful truth and they have now robed themselves with the charismatic concoction of the doctrine is because in the tough times, if something wasn't popping, 
is people weren't shouting. They just couldn't wait. The psalmist said, lead me in truth and teach me, for thou art the God of salvation. On thee do I wait all day. Again, David said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Again, the psalmist says, my soul, wait. Thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Frankly, I would ask you the question, if you're not going to wait on God, what can you do? Who can help you? Who can supply your needs? Who can fill this church? Who can bring the joy of revival? Who can bring the miracles? Who can bring an altar full of unsaved souls? Who can bring the troubled hearts to this church? There's not enough organization. There's not enough denominations. There's not enough promotion. There's not enough religious ritual. There's not enough ceremonial Christianity that will bring what my soul is hungry for. I have no choice but to wait, to wait, to wait, to wait. I know what I want to see in my ministry, but I can't preach a good enough sermon to cause it to happen. I know what I want to see happen at Pentecostal Tabernacle, Highway 49 North, Hattiesburg, but there's nothing that I can do through physical calisthenics to cause it to happen. So if I'm going to see my fondest dreams fulfilled, I've got to just wait. 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 If I'm going to preach the sermons that I wish I could preach, I've got to just wait. If I'm going to pastor the church of my visions, I've got to just wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. The problem I'm finding in the community of Pentecostals across America, we just don't have the ability to wait. And if God doesn't hurry up, well, bless God, we'll just take it by our own hands and we'll do it ourselves. You're fixing to get yourself in a big mess. You better just keep praying. You better just keep worshiping God. Man, I feel it coming through me like an artesian well. Nobody is shouting and nobody is running, but somebody's got to have their faith bolstered. This is no time to quit, honey. This is no time to quit, sir. Just hold on. Ah, for when you put on the whole armor of God, you know, the helmet, the breastplate, the shield, your loins girt about, your feet shod, Come on now. And after you've done all that you can do to stand, just stand. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Praise the Lord, everybody. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. 
And there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. There's a time to break down. And there's a time to build up. There's a time to weep. And there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. And there's a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones. And there's a time to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace. And a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to get. And a time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to cast away. A time to rend. And a time to sow. A time to keep silence. And a time to speak. A time to love. And a time to hate. A time of war. And a time of peace. These quotes I give to you from the wise, brilliant mind of Solomon, which told us there's a time for all things, a time for everything, a time to sow, and a time to harvest. There's a time to shout, but there's a time to sit on that pew. There's a time to run the aisles, but there's a time to sit down and just wait. Just wait. Just wait. But while you're waiting, I need some monitors, sir. While you're waiting, the enemy comes to you and he tells you that it's not worth the wait. But I've come to advise you that any time you wait on God, he's going to make it worth your wait. Any time you wait on the miracle, he's going to make it worth your wait. Any time that you wait on salvation, he's going to make it worth your wait. Any time you wait on healing, He's going to make it worth the wait. I've come to declare that I'm speaking to hearts that once have been broken. And it seems as if nothing would heal those broken hearts. But I've come to tell you, and while I tell you, I'm going to defy every demon of hell and the big boy himself. I'm going to defy the devil himself and tell you that Jesus Christ has come to heal the brokenhearted. Can you prove it? You look at me. I'm a living witness. Stand up, Sister Odom. Yes, we still grieve. Yes, we still weep. Yes, we're still broken. But we know what it's like for Jesus to take us and to love us and to care for us and to mend us and to make all things well. Go ahead, honey. Clap your hands. I need your help tonight. There's some here tonight that feels like that God is never going to answer your prayer. That God is never going to supply your need. But I've come to tell you, they that wait upon the Lord. They that pray when you don't feel like praying. They that clap hands when you don't feel like clapping hands. They that lift hands when you don't feel like lifting hands. What you doing, church member? You're not shouting. You're not dancing. You're not talking in tongues. You're not running the aisles. What you doing? I'm just waiting on God. Let's stand together and let's love the Lord. I feel good about what I'm saying tonight.
When it seemed like God is taking too much time, please be seated. I don't know where Jesus was at geographically when word came to him that his friend, Lazarus, was very sick. But I do know that the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, had sent word to Jesus, and this was the special delivery message. Him whom thy lovest is sick. And of course, I'm fully aware that what Mary and Martha were saying to Jesus, we need you to come to Bethany immediately, for him whom thou lovest is sick. But Jesus took four days to go to Bethany. And when he opened the conversation with his disciples, he said to them, Lazarus sleepeth. And the disciples said, well, he doeth well. But they understood not that Jesus was telling them that Lazarus was in fact now dead. And Jesus said, let us go to him for he is dead. And one said, let us go with Jesus that we may die with Lazarus. When Jesus finally arrived in the city of Bethany, four days after the notification that Lazarus was at the point of death, not 24 hours, not 48 hours, but 96 hours, four full days after Jesus was made aware, that Lazarus was sick, Jesus found it convenient to go to Bethany. And when he got to Bethany, he was met by Martha. And Martha said to him, Lord, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus said words similar to this, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Do you believe that, Martha? And Martha never answered the question that Jesus asked. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Do you believe that, Martha? And Martha got off on a theological tangent, and she said, Yeah, Lord, I believe you're the Son of God. That's not what Jesus asked. Do you believe I'm the resurrection? And with that, Martha turned on her heels, and she goes back to the home, and she whispers into the ear of Mary, the Lord is here. And Mary arises, and she goes to where Jesus is at, and she uses the identical quote that, that Martha had. If you would have been here four days ago, where have you been, Jesus? If you would have been here 96 hours ago, where you been, Jesus? I can't find, Jesus, that you were preaching. I can't find that you were teaching. I can't find that you were performing miracles. You've just wasted 96 hours. You've lost four days. And in the interval time period, my brother is dead. And that's not all, Jesus. Mary probably heard that Jesus had said to the disciples four days ago, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Jesus, did you really say that you were glad 
that you were not here. You were glad that my brother was gasping for his dying breath. You were glad that my heart was broken. You were glad that I was going through such emotional repercussions. How can you say that you were glad that you were not here? My brother is dead, Lord, because you took too much time doing something else. My brother is dead, Lord, because you took too much time sharing with someone else. Had you been here, our brother would not have died. I have come to tell you what the Lord said to Daniel. After Daniel had prayed and fasted one week and two weeks and three weeks, the Lord would say to Daniel, I heard you the first time that you prayed. And some have come tonight to decide the Lord has not heard me. There certainly must be sin in my life. The Lord has rejected me. I can't get my prayers through to God. The Lord is not honoring my faith because I'm not getting better. If you will allow me the pulpit luxury to repeat something that I've already said, I want to say with resounding redundancy that the Lord has heard you every time that you prayed. The Lord has counted every tear that's dropped from your cheek. The Lord has been there every night you walked the floor and wrung your hands. The Lord has counted every vibration on your broken heart. But it just seems like that the Lord is not going to answer your prayer. So now we've come to the conclusion. So it must not be the will of God. It's the will of God for my husband to be lost. It's the will of God for my children to be lost. It's the will of God for me to be sick in my body. But I've come to say no, 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 no. For it's not the will of God that any man should perish. It is not the will of God that Satan torments your body with plagues and with disease. But he's hurt him. He's hurt him. He's hurt him. Hear me, devil. The Lord has heard the prayers of his people. Lord, 96 hours ago. You don't want me to read this exactly, but I keep an accurate account of days since my baby left us. Maybe you can count the days since the great battle of your life. In the name of the Most High God, quit keeping time. Because God is not controlled by your watch and my watch, your calendar and my calendar. Just wait on the Lord. Feel it. Feel it strong coming from me to you tonight. There was a time, and this is not in my prepared statements. There was a time that the psalmist David was in the greatest trouble of his military career. The location was Ziklag, 
While he was out battling against the enemy, he left the camp unguarded, and the camp was populated by women and children, their tents and their personal possessions. And while David was out fighting, the enemy came and took the wives and the children away. And David was aware, I've got to get a hold of you, God. They're talking about mutiny. They're talking about dethroning me. They're talking about stripping me of my leadership position. Shall I go up and fight them? And the Lord said to David, wait. When you hear the sound of the wind and the mulberry trees, just wait until you hear from me. Wait until you hear from me. One wise proverbian said, when in doubt, do nothing. When you start trying to fight your battles for yourself, you're going to lose. When you start trying to defeat the enemy by your own power, he's going to devour you. But when you wait on God, when you wait on his glory, when you wait on his power, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to sound an alarm because I'm certainly not in the know of everything that is happening across the Pentecostal fellowship. But I am in the know enough to make this statement that the spirit of weariness is taking its toll on a lot of preachers. And I know of preachers that would rather be out working a secular job than preaching the gospel. Why? Because Satan has unleashed Every possible thing in his hellish arsenal against God's church and a spirit of weariness and tiredness and brokenness has taken its toll. Why is it that saints that used to come to church bubbling, shouting, dancing, leaping, rejoicing, smiling, laughing, thrilling. Now they come with a sad countenance on their face. Why? Because Satan is out to destroy your walk with God. I'm not a preacher tonight. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm some sort of an expert. <laughs> and I'm experienced in what I'm talking about. When you go to the altar of prayer and you start that memorized prayer, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I magnify you. Before you know it, your mind is on the job. Your mind is on your activities of today. Your mind is on your tomorrow. Your mind is somewhere else. And before you know it, you shake yourself out of a stupor that you're just saying words and you're not really talking to God. And there's a spirit of weariness, 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 tired. The joy is not there anymore. The thrill is not there anymore. The happiness is not there anymore. I'm just outdone. I'm just wore out. I'm just at the point of collapse, but I've come with a sweaty brow. Yeah. I've come with a raspy voice. Yes, I have. 
but I promise a burdened heart to tell every child of God, don't quit, don't quit, don't give up, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. It was a four-day, 96-hour wait, and Jesus said, take me to where you have laid him. So they wind Jesus through the cemetery of Bethany. And they go to the freshest grave. And in this instance, it was a cave. Flowers were wilting around the grave. Roses were wilted. Lilies were wilted. You could tell that it was a grave. You could tell it was a burial plot. And it was a recent one. And standing near the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus, who just a few days ago said, I'm glad I was not there. Now, folks, that's tough preaching. When Jesus can say about your problems, I'm glad you weren't there. I'm glad I didn't just pop when he said frog. I'm glad I wasn't there just to give him a cold glass of tea or a hot cup of coffee when he wanted. That's our We think God ought to come running every time we're facing an obstacle. We think God ought to drop everything else. Roll the stone away. And some challenging souls I doubt it was the caretaker of the cemetery. It had to be someone that had been in the entourage of Jesus in time past. They knew this Galilean could, could put the sparkle on the eye of the blind. They knew this man from Nazareth could put the vibration of sound on the ear of the deaf. Why? This man carried the reputation of telling the lame of Bethesda to walk and telling the palsy of Capernaum to take up the bed. It was rumored about this man that was challenging someone to roll the stone away. It was rumored on him that he could squeeze fish in one hand and squeeze bread in the other hand and pray a couple of dozen words of prayer when he would open that fist, fish went everywhere. Open that fist, bread would go everywhere. And if that Galilean can perform those things, I'm going to see what it can do with an open grave. Some of you are so weary. I know I've been there that you've already rolled the stone over your walk with God. You've covered any hope that you would have. There's a dark cloak upon this earth you better Never before has the world faced such astounding political positions to deal with. We don't have the answer for Haiti and Cuba and Bosnia and Rwanda and the starving millions of Africa. We cannot financially support Russia. We have violence on the streets of America. Crime is at an epidemic proportion. Social diseases are being passed back and forth like it's the fashionable thing to do. America, the world, is in social political trouble. And Mr. Clinton, you don't have the answers. The answer is not in the White House.
The answer is not in the halls of the legislature. The answer is not in state capital houses, and it's not in parish or courthouses, but the answer for the perplexing problems is in the house of God. Now we're dealing with the cloak of darkness, the daggers of death, the spears of sin, the arrows of anxiety. Forgive me for my Mississippi terminology, but all hell has broke loose against us. Every way we turn, come staggering from one battle into another. Come battered and bruised and blooded from one battle to another battle. It seems as if there's no rest. There is no furlough. There's nothing to help us. Wait. 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 Let me tell you, friends, when Jesus Christ went out to the Mount of Olives, five hundred cheering followers of his cheered him to glory. But seven days later, only 120 of them could be counted in the upper room. Are you listening to me? 380 of them couldn't stand a seven-day wait. Brother Pastor, Mrs. Simpkins, where are those days in Pentecost? What happened to them? Have we consigned them to the historical annals and chronicles of our movement? Where are those days that when somebody was sick, we got around them and we prayed? Our Father and our God, we know you have all power. I can remember as a child on the Pentecostal pew when my parents were converted from a missionary Baptist and a Jehovah Witness background of sorts. I can remember in those days, 43, 44 years ago, that if somebody was sick, you got together and you prayed. And if the answer didn't come, you got back down and you prayed. And if the answer didn't come, you got back down and you prayed. Can you prove that, preacher? Look at me. I was four years old when the polio epidemic was sweeping all across the United States. Robert Beasley, my best little friend, drags a brace around Pascagoula, Mississippi today because of a victim of polio paralysis. One day I collapsed. For three weeks, I could not stand. My brow burned with fever. It was finally advised to send Floyd to the Vicksburg Sanatorium where they were treating the polio victims. My mother, a new convert in the Pentecost, called the pastor and called the saints of God. And for three weeks, I could not walk. For three weeks, my brow blistered with fever. But my mother said, let's pray one more time. I can remember I was just a child, but I remember it so help me God. 
I remember when the pastor and the pastor's wives and the church gathered around that little apartment. No air conditioning. Windows was up. They could hear you a country mile. And they gathered around my bed one more time. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And I can remember the pastor picking me up by my armpits and putting my feet on the floor. Well, I see you're not excited, but let me say this. I'm glad that they said, let's wait and pray one more time. Let's pray. I'm not coming to accuse you. I live in the fast lane. I live in the jet set. I drive as fast as the speed limit will let me. I do everything at a breakneck speed. That's the style of life that we're living. Hurry, 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 hurry. Run, run, go, go. Last minute, last minute. Run, run, go, go, rush, rush, run, hurry, hurry. Don't have time to wait. We don't have time. We get up at the last minute. We go to bed the last minute. We get up throwing a piece of toast and slurping coffee. We go to bed and we are running, 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 running. And Pentecost has arrived to that lofty position. We've learned to pray a pretty prayer. And if God don't work, well, we know we've got the specialist and I'm as guilty as the next person. But where are those days that we just waited? Where are the all-night prayer meetings anymore? Don't have time to pray all night. Where are the one-hour prayer meetings anymore? Don't have time to pray for an hour. We gotta hurry, hurry. And the Lord is saying, wait. had a sick little girl? I've had, had both of my precious babies sick. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, had a little child, 12 years old, a precious daughter, probably pigtail. Her teeth were probably a little bit cracked, maybe a little bucked, you know, not fitted in like a adult. And she had freckles on her cheekbones. But she had that giggly little laugh that only a daddy could wilt. I don't know what baby got sick from, but her condition was terminal. You see, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. To have that position, you had to be a brilliant theological mind. You had to be able to quote Leviticus, memorize the Aaronic priesthood, understand the law of Moses, and Jairus was well versed enough to know that there was no healing agents. In the Levitical priesthood. You had heard about a Galilean that could do great and marvelous things. Yeah. So he decided to put his job on the line. Every Sadducee and every Pharisee were livid with hate against this rabble-rousing Galilean. All this guy would do would be to break the laws of the Sabbath. Away with him was the popular opinion, but Reverend Jairus was cognizant that nothing in Leviticus, nothing in Exodus, nothing in Deuteronomy, nothing from Sinai would correct his daughter's terminal disease. And to be found hobnobbing with that Galilean 
Reverend Chiara, she's going to put your job on the line, son. But because nothing else would work, he left his daughter sick bedside to go find a miracle worker. Well, the story is long. I'll make it short. He fell at the feet of Jesus. I can see him now with his glistening, glistening golden scarlet red and blue robes of Sadduceeism. Can you see such class rolling in the dirty dust at the feet of Jesus? Yeah, I can see it. Friend, when you get hungry enough, you'll take your pride off too. When you get desperate enough, you'll get on your face too. Yay, yay, yay. I said, when you get desperate enough, you will walk away from the dinner table. You will turn away from your soft pillows and your warm bed sheets. And you'll wallow on the floor until you get through to God. That's the spirit that had captured Reverend Jairus. And he knew that he would lose his job if he was found running with that rabble-rousing Galilean called Jesus. But he also was aware that nothing in Leviticus could correct his baby's sins. When will we ever come to the place, Sister Simpkins, that we'll learn once and for all that the world don't have the answer for the church? Why are Pentecostals trying to dress like the world? That's not the answer. Why are Pentecostals taking up the worldly lingo and little charismatic quotes and tricky expressions? That's not the answer. The answer is putting everything aside and falling at the feet of the Galilean. So he had an audience with Jesus and begged him to go to his daughter's bedside. And would you believe me that while Jesus was going, to what was thought to be the city of Capernaum, the queen city of Judea, the second largest synagogue of Judea. Jairus was the ruler the pastor over it. He was somebody. He had a clout. He had a political input in the Roman Empire. But now with his little pigtail, freckle-cheeked little girl dying, all that meant nothing to him. Now getting Jesus to come to his house to heal his daughter, would you believe me if I told you that someone who had this little minor problem of an issue of blood stop Jesus come on Jesus we don't have time to heal her of ovarian cancer come on Jesus my 12 year old, 12 year old daughter and she's had this disease 12 years how strange. I would like to suggest to you that possibly the very day that Jairus' daughter was born, this woman started having the issue of blood. Twelve years down the line, our God was going to take care of both at the same time. Come on, Jesus. Jairus was probably sweating more than I am tonight. Jairus was desperate. We don't have time to ask who touched me. We don't have time to talk about thy faith have made thee whole. You're wasting time, Jesus. It's my little girl. She's at the point of death. You're taking too much time, Jesus. It just took a few minutes. Who touched me? My 
felt virtue. We parry Jesus. It just seems to me like, Lord, you're taking up too much time. I guess I'm making a mess out of Thursday night preaching, huh? But there are some times that you have prayed. The greatest need. Hurry, God, run to me. Get down here, Jesus. Come on, the boat closer. No We're still discouraged. We're still battling. We're still hurting. Our heart's broke. My family's lost. My child's away from God. Ah, taking too much time. Jesus, the rapture's about to take place. Eternity's bursting upon us like a thousand fourth of July fireworks celebration. All at one time, hurry, Jesus, Jesus, hurry. Taking too much time. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. think it was bad, do you? You think it was bad, do you? When the first servant came and said, Joe, guess what? The sheep are gone. You think that was bad? The next servant, Joe, the camels are gone. You think that's bad? The next servant, just a few heartbeats later, Joe, the sheep asses are gone. You think that's bad, huh? The next one came, Joe, the oxen are gone. You think that's bad, huh? The next one said, Job, your seven sons and three daughters, they just lost their life in one storm. You think that's bad, huh? He broke out with blames and rise and scraping. Yeah, he broke a piece of his wife's china, a piece of pottery, and scraped stabs from his body. He went down to proverbial skin and bones. He just staggered away from one mass grave. Ten kids buried at one time. The stench of death was heavy in the air. The carcasses of camels and asses and, and sheep and oxen. The stench of death everywhere. Vultures and buzzards and scavengers. and Curse God and die, Job. His so-called three friends. Bildad, Zophar, Eliphaz. They looked at it for seven days. They never said a word. And when somebody finally broke the ice, one said, you self-righteous crud. You hypocrite. Who do you think you're fooling? This is the judgment of God. You've been pretending to be, oh, I'm paraphrasing it. You pretend to be so righteous. And the reason this has happened, you've just been playing. <laughs> you're not the man that you wanted us to believe that you sets a broken heart a broken body okay Louisiana scabs running blood and pus corruption filth flies and gnats it was a picture of crud scabs lying in a heap by his body friends criticizing him Ten children dead. The air heavy with the smell of decaying carcasses of animals. And somebody said, you are a hypocrite. 
But I read again today, just for your benefit, where Job said in chapter 14 and verse 14, you may see him with your scalps and pus and blood and corruption and filth and fever, dead kids, the farm was gone, three friends criticizing him, and there he sits in his own physical rubbish and ruin and fecus and urine. sits and in the face of all of the skepticism he says these outstanding words I will wait until my change comes talk about me if you want to Bill Dane I'm just going to wait talk about me if you want to Eli Boo I'm just going to wait talk about me if you want to I'm just going to wait my heart is broken because I've lost seven sons and three daughters. <laughs> I'm just going to wait. I've lost the farm. I've lost the animals. I've lost my implements. I'm just going to wait. preaching against, I've already felt your spirits. It's a hurry spirit. It's a get with it spirit. It's a run spirit. Help me right now spirit. Take care of my problems right now. Give me the right antibody to help me right now. Do something. Give me a shot. Hurry. Help, help, help. help, help. I'm fast. I'm hurry. And Jesus is saying, wait. Wait. There's several things I'm waiting for. So Storm almost took my thunder. I am waiting for God to honor the many years of prayer and fasting, seeking him, and to bring a great church in the city of Hattiesburg. Oh, I'm not just sitting down twiddling my thumbs. I'm doing the right things. I'm pastoring. I'm knocking on doors. I'm visiting the hospitals. I'm doing the right things, but I'm still waiting on God to do the work. I've got a baby. She's 26 years old. When she was five, she was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. A lifetime of insulin dependency by injection. Sister Ramona, I cried for her a few days ago. I said, God, I want to remind you. I'm still waiting for my baby to be delivered of diabetes. Just wait. Wait. Last but not least. I wish I could get the words of that old chorus. I can get a few of the bars and a few of the words, but I just can't put it all. Soon this life will all be over and our pilgrimage here will end. Soon we'll take the heavenly journey, be at home again with friends. Heaven's gates are standing open, waiting for our entrance there. Some sweet day we're going over all the beauties there to share. And then the Course says, Wait. 
Where's that little lady that sung tonight? Just a little while to stay here. Just a little, wait. Just a little while to what? Just a little more of trouble in this path that's always strange. Just a little more in this old and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portal. I'm waiting, Lord, for the sound of a trumpet. I'm waiting, God, for the resurrection. I'm waiting, God, when I hear you say, well done. I'm waiting, God, when there be no more strained throats and broken bodies, no more broken hearts, no more puddles of tears at my altar. Waiting, God. I'm waiting to go to the city where the Lamb is the Lord. I'm waiting to go where there's no need of a sun or the moon. I'm waiting to go where there's streets of transparent gold. I'm waiting to go where there's matches and glory. I'm waiting to go. I want to go. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Some of you have been living for God for many decades. My God, I beg you, don't quit now. Some of you are possibly new converts. My God, don't quit now. Wait, wait. But you know, Jesus, I'm kind of confused because I read in the book where you said, Behold, I come quickly. Here I am waiting. Waiting. You said quickly and I'm waiting. You said quickly and I'm waiting. You said quickly and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Quickly, quickly. Jesus does not live on the same time standards that you and I live on. Just wait. I have worked very hard tonight to preach what I felt to preach. And you may not understand this next statement, but there has been wonderful Holy Ghost tributaries that has moved near me that I could have taken those tributaries and spoken even other things unto you from the anointing of God. And I have worked hard not to get on a tangent that would make it sound poetical. But I have simply come to tell a hurting hurting heart. Wait. 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 Don't make that decision yet. Don't change jobs yet. Don't make that financial decision. Wait. Be careful about your choice of a companion. Hold on. Now, be careful, preacher. I'm just saying to you, wait on God. An hour is long enough, isn't it?
Trials here are sometimes many, and I find my feet grow weary till it seems that I would stumble and fall. But the tender hand that leads me, it's the hand that keeps me steady. Just a few more days to labor after all. Sister Simpkins, can I talk to you a minute? I went to her bedroom last night. We kept a few little things of hers. And I reached into her closet and I got that special little dress that she looked so well in. My wife didn't know I did it. And I got that little dress down and I smelled it. And I cleansed it. And I heard myself say to a memory of mine, Amanda, Daddy loves you. It's going to be worth the wait when I see that child again. After all, this life is over and my birth lifted and I stand upon the mountain top so tall come on church you got a lot to wait for looking over in that city that the Savior is preparing It'll be worth the wait. Just a few more days to labor. Are you still having major kidney problems, son? The Lord hasn't sent me to you tonight. I just remember we've talked about it before. Let me tell you about a new body. When this mortal will put on immortality. And this corruption shall put on incorruption. Son, I don't know if you'll ever have a complete well body in this life. But just wait. Just wait. There's no such thing as dialysis in New Jerusalem. Uh -uh. None. Just wait. I'm following you. you. You led me tonight. You set the direction of the service, and I just said I'd follow you. I got a call today to preach three conferences, and I'm only, only going to tell you a little, forget what I just said, okay? I got a call today, and they're asking me if I would to preach three different conference settings. And they're asking me if I would to preach to reach out to the backslider. Brother Odom, we need you to preach to reach the backsliders. They're out there tonight because they just couldn't wait. 
and maybe you've got a backslidden loved one. I want you to gather them in your little hands right now. Cup your hands together, whoever your backslidden loved one is. Come on, cup your hands together. If you don't have a backslidden loved one, you're blessed. But if you have a backslidden loved one, do your hands like this. Cup them together. And I want you to hold your little cupped hands up to Jesus. That's it, son. That's it, honey. Now, Jesus, I'm waiting. Hold up your little cupped hands, honey. Sir, hold them up there. Okay, put somebody else in your little cup, will you? Don't take your cup down yet. Put somebody else in your cup, will you? Would everybody put Pastor Sipkins in your cup? Would you? Come on, come on. Everybody work with me. Hold your cup up. Put my friend, Brother Sipkins, in the cup. Hold him up. There's a lot of weary preachers out there, folks. Would you put the ministry in your cup and hold it up? <laughs> Would you put United Faith Church in your cup and hold it up? Yeah, hold up United Faith's cup now. Wait, wait, wait on the Lord. Don't get in such a stinking hurry. Wait on the Lord. Give me the D chord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Sing it with me. They that wait. Upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Would you stand with me? Sing. 
ego. Sing it now, choir. Oh, they shall run and not be weary. Oh, they shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on, church, sing it now.